Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, Charlie, thank you so much for your company. Lovely to see you. Lovely to meet you for the first time. Heard a lot about you, but haven't actually met you. So um, start by introducing yourself to our listeners and tell us a bit about your story. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Um, So my name is Charlie Martin. I'm 37. I'm a racing driver, um, originally from Leicestershire. And I started off hill climbing and I'm now progressing through into endurance racing and aiming to be the first transgender driver to ever compete at the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Well, I mean, that is that's some statement. Just if you to take it into the separate parts uh, and all together, that's that's incredible. That's exciting. Um, and good luck to you. And we want to sort of pick apart your story and talk about it and hopefully support you in that uh, in that ambition. Um, but tell us, uh, because you've been racing, um, you were racing as a man and then you you transitioned. What was it? Seven years ago. Is that right? Uh, yeah, about seven years ago now. So 2012 is uh, is when I started transition and um it's been yeah it's been quite an adventure I suppose in many in many ways um transition is something that I you know if I'm honest I never thought I would be someone who would do that not because I didn't want to do it but purely because it just seemed like such a scary daunting road to walk down mm. and especially you know, first and foremost, from a personal point of view, but obviously competing in motorsport as well. Mm. Um, I I couldn't really see that I had a future doing the sport that I love. Um, so it's yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a journey, I'd say. So was that something that was stopping stopping you wanting to transition because you thought you may be alienated from doing something that you really wanted to do? I think, I think really it was, for me, it was just coming to a crossroads in my life that I'd reached so many times before where I knew that, you know, I I just kept going around in circles, basically, and reaching this point where it's either decide to transition or carry on living and trying to function and trying to get by as I was. And, and I think you know maybe in some ways being being in motorsport um being in that kind of world perhaps made me feel less able to to transition as opposed to perhaps mm. you know if I'd been mm. competing in another sport or you know just in another kind of career perhaps where mm. where you're um you know it feels a bit more 
a bit more diverse and you feel, you can see that perhaps the support is obviously going to be there for you. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess there's, there's all kinds of reasons, really. You know, mm. people transition at all stages of their life. Some people do it very young. Mm. I've met people, I know people in their 70s who are transitioning. Wow. So wow. there's no right or wrong, mm. really. It's very much a personal thing of where you reach that moment that you know this is it okay so what was your moment what was the tipping point the catalyst if you like do you know for me I think a lot of it was actually driven by by YouTube um, which sounds like a uh, a slightly random thing but I discovered other people vlogging um, other trans people who are my own age who'd who'd really you know, normal people as well. These a lot of these people weren't people with like millions of followers. They were just normal people with normal jobs, normal lives, normal problems, and they were very relatable. And I think when you can, when something seems so far out of reach that you can't really connect with how you are going to be put in that, you know, you're going to be doing that thing. But when something seems very tangible and mm. you can actually see people doing it mm. and you can see that they're actually really happy. Mm. I think for me that really was the catalyst because I realised actually, yeah, I, I can do this. If I push myself, mm. it's possible. And how many people knew at this stage? How many people close to you knew that that's what you were kind of wrestling with? I hardly, I mean, not really anyone, to be honest. I mean, I came out to my mum when I was probably about 10 years old. Mm. Um and my mum passed away when I was 23 so I, I didn't um, you know I didn't have her for support at that stage of my life and so really it's something that I'd kind of I'd also told my some of my school friends at that point in time who were still in good you know in contact with but um, yeah it was really something that I just kept in a box nailed shut inside me that is incredibly hard and presumably incredibly lonely when you say you came out to your mum what did you say to her I guess I just tried to sit down with her one day and I said, um, hey, you know, mum, <laughs> this is going to be a real surprise, but um, I feel that I'm a girl and that I've been, you know, born the wrong way and that I need to, I need to change, basically. And you were 10 when you said that? 10 years old, My yeah. God, that's just, that's an incredible awareness at such a young age that I'm sure many of us don't ever feel. So in a way it's... You know, it's quite enlightened, really, isn't it? I guess so. I mean, I, I think a lot of trans people I know, and and you probably remember back as far as about six, even, you know, six or seven, which is around the age that I really first became aware that I was trans. I didn't know what being trans was back then. Mm. I didn't know, you know, it's not like today where trans, um, you know, trans people are a, a common topic of discussion in the media and everything back then you know being trans wasn't even like you know widely understood or seen or anything Mm. so when I I, it took me time to get to grips with how I felt but and to realize actually that just for one I'm not the only person in the world who feels this way Mm. and but still back then it was a very lonely experience to to grow up feeling yeah feeling alone and scared mm. and and you know to a degree ashamed of like I had something wrong with me mm. and and I think fast forwarding to to discovering people that I could suddenly identify with 
who felt the same and who'd actually taken that step and were living authentically as their true selves mm. was really, really important for me in actually seeing that, wow, this is something that I have the power to you know, I have the power to take control of my life mm. and do something about it. It's interesting that you say, you know, back then it wasn't understood. I, I still think today it's not really understood. I mean, it's fantastic that we're talking about it mm. uh, and it's, it's part of sort of everyday discussion. But I think a lot of that seems to be focused on certain um, industries and certainly certain uh hubs of people so london and manchester for example but you kind of go beyond that like i was astounded um on twitter to, for people who i thought were sort of bright and engaged human beings that still have a problem with it and perhaps that is a lack of well, i'm sure it is a lack of understanding mm -hmm. explain what it is to be trans do you know somebody explained this to me in a very simplistic metaphor recently and uh you know they said it's a bit like if you're holding a pen, you know, nobody tells you if you're left-handed or right-handed. You just, you just, you just know, you know, one feels right, one feels wrong. Yeah. And being trans is a little bit like that. It's like, you, you know, something doesn't feel natural. And until you do something to, to correct that, yeah. you're just very acutely aware that you feel out of sync. Um, it's, Again, it's a common conception that, that you know, somebody's sexual, um, someone's gender identity and their sex are the same thing, mm. you know, and even down to that is a very, very simplistic understanding. But actually, you know, your gender is, your gender is in your head. Uh, it's just that most people, your gender is, uh, you, you know, your gender is in alignment with how you feel and what your body says mm. and, you know, your physical characteristics. But... For a lot of people, that's not the same. Mm. You know, that's not the case. And when you're having to live with that day to day, mm. you know, nobody decides to be trans. It's something that you're born with. Yeah. And believe me, nobody would decide to be trans mm. because it's it's hard. You know, it's a really tough thing to go through. Mm. Whatever age you are, um, you have to deal with a lot of stigma and all kinds of negativity. So to, to ever think that someone would choose this is, is you know, very misguided and it's just yeah it's just the way it's just the way you know if you're born and you feel like that then you have to do something about it because fundamentally you're walking around in the wrong body with the wrong gender expression mm -hmm. and it's it's horrible you know I mean I developed I had to develop coping mechanisms to deal mm -hmm. with just living day to day and after something like 25 years you don't realize how how just that's become a part of the way you function yeah. so you know, so what kind of things would you do to get by i guess just i mean you know just focusing on things in my life throwing myself into work hobbies mm. um you know when i was young i struggled with um you know all kinds of things that young people struggle with growing up you know just ways of escapism really mm. and just trying to shut off my brain from what was going on inside me i mean it's yeah, I, I'm painting a very dark picture, but I suppose it's just when you, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really complicated when you, you feel that way, but you're unable to be who you want to be in society. Mm. And I think really the thing that needs to change is that 
whereas you know the person feeling that there's something wrong with them really it's society needing to change it's yeah. society that needs to yeah. actually just open up empathize yeah. and understand people who yeah. who are born this way and and just you know take away that stigma that that people are attaching yeah. to to being transgender because there's no need for it you know people yeah. are just people we all want the same thing we all want to be happy we want to be loved and it's a simple human right, really, isn't it? Of course. Why do you think there's such a, a reluctance, in fact, resistance to that? I, you know, I, I, I'm always shocked by the reaction of so many people. I kind of want to ask them, what, what are you scared of? What are you threatened by? Why does this bother you so much? And I guess with... I guess part of your job, in a way, or your role, or your raison d'etre, or whatever you want to call it, is to is to educate and help people understand. Because with understanding comes empathy, and with empathy comes inclusion. Yeah. What are people so scared of, though? If it doesn't directly affect them, why are they so bothered? I don't know, and you're absolutely right. I mean, to me, that feels like my mission in life. Really, is to to use my platform to create change, to educate people, and to and to help move things forwards i think i think unfortunately you know generally like so many things it's just it's just a lack of education and to degree ed- ignorance of of you know of what it's like to be trans i think mm. unfortunately there's a, there's a vocal minority right now who are very who have a very anti-trans agenda mm. and these people are given a lot of um you know, are given a platform within the media in various ways to to put their opinions forwards. And mm. I think these opinions are very damaging and very hurtful. And the difficulty is, you know, my experience is that I've met so many people through trans through transition who've never met a trans person. And I can probably count on one hand you know over seven years the negative experiences that i've had in that context Mm. of when i actually sit you meet somebody yeah i'm trans oh really wow i didn't know yeah gosh what was that like you know and you sit and you talk to someone for a moment and they come away with a completely different understanding Mm, mm, mm. so exposure to it and and that can only come in with time exactly if people if people have never met someone who's trans what are they basing their opinions on headlines they're reading in tabloids yeah you know it's it's that's the thing it's just it's just a lack of a lack of understanding, I think. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because we we've recently had the the case of Israel Folau, the the Australian rugby player, who in this like incredible audacious talent on the rugby pitch, but was is, is you know hanging on, and to his religious beliefs that you know gays are destined for for hell, is what he instagrammed and refused to delete from his social media post now it's interesting because on the one hand i do respect everyone's right to believe and 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 respect that they've been brought up with because it's part of their cultural identity it's part of who they are they don't want that threatened or damaged but i equally have a problem with people hiding behind religion and saying because i'm not comfortable with what that means i'm going to say it's what religion's telling me to do um I don't know if you can ever separate the two. I, I feel like religion is a, is, a, is a shield for a lot of people who aren't ready just to sit down and have a chat mm. and understand mm. that you're just a human being like anyone else, as you say, looking for love, looking for acceptance, just to get on with your life. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm not religious myself, so um, I guess I'd say I'm quite a spiritual person. I just feel that I don't, I you know, I don't know enough about different kinds of religions and what they preach. But I think that to a degree, people can interpret religion mm. into a way that 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 aligns with their own personal feelings, mm. and I think really anything that spreads a message of hatred or you know something that is denying people a basic human right or or even a right to exist is I don't see how any religion can really get behind that I don't know I mean you know we're all human beings we all have a right to to live on this earth and I, I that's my my view on that really I mean how can how can you you hide behind well no I mean something that goes against that we could do like 10 podcasts on religion I'm sure like this this is what I find really interesting I was just chatting to a mate before I before I came to meet you I was saying there's just so many paths we could go down with this podcast there's so much to discuss it wouldn't really do it justice just limiting it to to a 40 minute podcast or whatever um and so I'd love to sort of keep in touch with you and and chart your progress and see how things are evolving and changing but we can talk about that another day you know it's just um it's interesting I think personally just from like scouring through the tweets that I had about you was that I think people love to pigeonhole and I I think people love to say right she's white middle class straight female you know and they feel safe in understanding you and pigeonholing you what's the minute those lines are blurred they don't quite get who you are and in some way and I don't know why that threatens them and I think maybe maybe yeah it is that lack of knowledge and that lack of understanding that just makes them feel a bit wobbly about life I think people love to compartmentalize and pigeonhole and Mm. and and those boundaries are secure in what they've grown up understanding and the minute you challenge that Mm. is when they struggle I mean one one person uh, tweeted me um basically on the lines of why are you trying to make racing about sexuality and politics so well I'm absolutely not. This is what her life's about. Mm. But she wants to be a racer and she wants the acceptance and she wants to be a role model in that respect. I think the other thing is is that once other girls and boys in your situation see you as a strong role model, yeah. they will have that opportunity to emulate. That's that's it in a nutshell. That's really what it's about. I mean, you know, I... First and foremost, I want I love motorsport, I love racing, and that's what I want to go out and do, and mm. that's what I want to be good at and be known for. But the thing is, we're we're still a long way from at a, being in a place as a society where everybody has the same opportunities or feels mm. that they have the same opportunities. For me growing up, one of the biggest things was that I had no role models. Mm. I could never see anybody like me mm. in motorsport or really in other forms of life. And when you're growing up, I mean we all know the importance of role models. And when you don't have that person to look through, to look up to and you can't see yourself, it you know, you don't have a vision of who you want to be yourself in your life. Mm. It can really be difficult to aspire mm. to, to you know, this is what I'm aiming for. This is who I want to be. I want to be like them. Mm. And 
And also, I think when you have a complete absence of people that that you need to look to, um, you can feel like things in life are shut off to you, that you don't have the same opportunities as other people. Because, you know, you see other people doing well. Oh, well, I'm, I don't feel like that person. Mm. I don't. I don't identify with that person. Where's someone that represents me? Mm. Where's someone that, and where's someone represents me doing well and actually publicly getting acceptance and, and you know working with companies and having support and and being successful in their career? And when you can't see anybody like that, mm. it it's very difficult to see your own path in life. Mm. And I think for me, that's why I, I care so much about using my position to inspire change Mm. you know to inspire other people to to take their own path and also just to inspire change in the wider Mm. society Mm. um you know when when you know that and that the onus is really on the media and big business to to put up role models have representation have relatable characters on screen because i think that's the, the most crucial thing you know more women ethnic minorities just so that people can identify and i'm not saying don't get the best person for the job no. i think this is i think this is the problem that lots of people seem to have they go well if she's quick enough she'll make it so what do you say to that you know this is a bit like you know i, I remember talking to one of my colleagues at sky and saying you know we need more people of color we need more women on screen at sky sports and actually it's it's absolutely happening and that i'm really proud of that mm. Um, but he was like straight away, well, don't get the wrong person for the job. They have to be good enough. They have to know what they're talking about. I say, absolutely. But positive discrimination is actually a positive path and things won't change and they won't have role models to emulate unless you offer up and give that platform in the first place. Sure. So sure. I don't know. I feel like there's three different questions in there. But yeah, how do you feel about that? No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, you have to, you have to be able to, walk the walk if you're going to talk the talk in terms of racing for me it's like if I'm gonna yeah um have to have to be successful and prove that I'm fast enough to to warrant the the any kind of uh progression in my career sure but without the kind of support from companies without without companies who who are willing to say actually yeah do you know what we're companies really passionate about acceptance equality diversity and inclusion and we want to you know these are core principles that we want people to know about our brand and we're going to stand by you we want you to represent us Mm. I think without people like that then it's for someone in my position it's nearly impossible to succeed Mm. because I don't you know I don't come from a position of having family backing or, or money behind me so for me to get to where I want to get to in my career that needs to happen mm. and I don't think there's a shortage of companies that are that really have those beliefs these mm. days you mm. know it's such an important part of any large corporation's working culture you know if you go to pride in London you there's no short of money being spent at events like that mm. from big corporations who want to shout very proudly that they're there wholeheartedly supporting the lgbt community Mm. so it's looking for you know those companies actually looking for ways outside of events like that to promote those core values it's interesting because obviously they've got to be seen to do that but equally it is about profit and you're unearthing talent in the process of that because what you're saying is our doors are open and we are scouring this this great earth for, for for great talent and you can't you can't tell me that 
only, you know, rich white kids are good racers. You know, yeah, yeah, there's sure. plenty of talent out there. They it just needs to to find it, which is why for me it's great that things like the W Series are happening because mm. it's giving track time to, to girls that wouldn't otherwise have it and therefore bringing them up and, and letting their talent shine. So exactly. presumably that's what you're saying is yeah. that you just need the opportunity to show how fast you are. Absolutely. That's it, through and through. It's having the opportunity, having the chance to prove yourself mm. and those steps upwards into you know, trying to make a, a career in motorsport, as anyone knows, is very difficult. And we will just need those, yeah, those helps to, to to help us take those steps to you know to to move forwards and to progress and uh, and without that it's you know it's difficult if you're struggling to lose weight you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or zepbound and you might be wondering if they're right for you meet plush care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, why do you think people are so fixated on gender and don't want it to be fluid? Because I'm really interested in this as a as a an idea. There's this sort of like clinical separation, if you like, between men and women, and they and they want to stereotype and they want to load those stereotypes. And but why is that so important to some people? Do you think? I mean, that's obviously not important to you, but why can't people be people? Well, I don't know. I mean, I I I think I think people should be allowed to be people you know people should be free to be non-binary or gender fluid i think and i'll be honest i've I've come up against people who have accepted me for who i am who've said to me well yeah i know i understand you know you were born this way you want to be a girl fair enough but i don't understand people who want to be non-binary i don't i don't you know i just don't get that Mm. and i and i'm like but why, to me, I'm like, well, why, why is that so hard to understand? Mm. Somebody that feels like they don't identify as one gender or another. Mm. Um, I guess for me, it's, it, okay, fair enough, it's easier to understand because I've moved through gender. I see gender as a kind of, 
I don't see it as two fixed points mm. or, or perhaps, you know, at one extreme there is, there is that kind of way of looking at it, but you know, there's, there's so much gray in between. And I, I guess having experienced different forms of gender, gender expression, it, it seems quite, quite easy for me to get my head around. I, I think because just going back to what you were saying a moment ago, because it challenges the status quo, mm. it shakes people's understanding of, of what it is to be masculine or feminine. Mm. And I think for some people that's troubling. I don't know because it makes them ask questions about their own identity. Um, because they feel that the world is changing and they don't understand it and they feel less able to relate to it. Mm. But if that's how society is evolving in some ways, then that's just how society is. You know, Mm. I think that actually if you look back, it's really fascinating, but if you look back a long way into history, into so many ancient cultures, going back as far as the Romans or Native Americans, so many cultures actually not only acknowledged people who were trans or non-binary but actually celebrated these people you know they were just a normal part of the fabric of society Mm. and it's only really in the last few hundred years um thanks mainly to the victorians that um you know that we we changed our whole kind of way of of looking at you know what it is to be a a person in society And, and, and so many of these these cultures were eroded and people were kind of um you know locked up or just you know driven away from 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 society and actually this is they're quite it's quite normal that a lot of people just are able to feel this way Mm. and and really it's nothing new it's just in the last few hundred years we've actually kind of done a bit of a u-turn so you know um I, I just think it's so much of it's just about understanding, mm. you know, and empathy mm. and just people meeting, people meeting people. And I think people fear what they don't know. Mm, absolutely. Um, you talked earlier about not having uh, representation, not having someone you could relate to. Did that make you change who you were? Did you try to fight it? Because obviously you only transitioned seven years ago. So that a lot of your life has been kind of trying to crowbar yourself into something that you're not into a mold if you like that you're not just tell us about that on a day-to-day level how that feels and the sort of things that you would have to do because you were in a relationship weren't you were you married before you transitioned or just in a in a serious relationship i was married i was with someone for eight years so yeah it must have been incredibly hard wasn't it to to walk away from that do you know it was one of the hardest things of my entire life um, I felt I fell head over heels in love with somebody for the first time, um, and I guess you know anyone who's had that that feeling happen to you, you know, it's it's all consuming. It's mm. an incredible feeling, and I was just so happy. Um, suddenly, being me in my life made sense to me. You know, my identity seemed to seem to add up because I was one half of something that was much much bigger and better than just my own kind of existence and I uh, yeah I mean uh, having to walk away from that relationship was was incredibly tough Mm. and and was that because she she couldn't cope with the transition 
it just you know just it wasn't really yeah it wouldn't have been the right thing Mm. for us in our relationship and you know of course I respect that and I just uh, do you know I mean I've never really spoken about it in in an interview before so I'm just kind of mindful out of respect Mm. to my ex really but I just I never thought that I would be someone who would be transitioning um well because actually for for the first time you were okay with being a man because you'd fallen in love I guess so yeah yeah you know I'd 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 sort of nailed the box shut in terms of you know how I felt deep down to such an extent that it was it wasn't you know it wasn't like a it wasn't a real thing trying to deal with it anymore it was just it was just something that was like in the past and you know I just I was just so happy you know and I'd never been I'd never been truly happy in my life before in that way you know to have that and yeah that was really such a profound thing that I just thought well you know this is just what it's meant to be now this is this is who I'm meant to be and a man in a heterosexual relationship yeah wow mm. and so what you were you were just you were able to bury the feelings of of, of the longing to transition because of that for, for you know for a number of years yeah because i was just i was just happy wow i was happy in my life i was happy being me and you know I don't know if people might look at that and say that was the wrong thing to do, but if you're never in that situation, if you're never put in that position, it's 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 just it's an impossible set of circumstances to to just say, oh well, this is the logical thing to do. This is you know, it's it's not life's not that easy. Mm. Life's not black and white. Mm. And and yeah, I was so yeah, I was I was very happy for a long time in my life like that. Um, and um and you know leaving that relationship was yeah was the darkest probably about the darkest period of my life really yeah but darkness that came into light because ultimately you then could be who you always meant to be yeah i think ultimately i mean it's funny i was talking about this this morning in a in a presentation that i was doing someone asked me a question and it's it's really they said they asked me if I had any regrets about transitioning and and I don't I don't have any regrets in terms of like I couldn't imagine being the person that I used to be Mm. you know like I wouldn't do that for all the money in the world Mm. I just I know that I am who I'm meant to be there's no doubt in my mind I have regrets in terms of what had to happen for that to take place Mm. Because, yeah, that was that was something that I I'm not proud of. But I just I I can't help you know I can't help the set of cards I was dealt in life. Mm. You know, I don't think it's case not being proud. I mean, I don't know. It feels like I'm not that I don't know that just, that that makes my heart heavy to to hear you say that because you obviously do carry guilt and grief because of that. 
I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, it's making me kind of quite emotional thinking about it now because it's, it's, yeah, it was, it was really tough. It was really tough. And I do, and I, yeah, of course, you know, I'll always, I'll always have some kind of guilt that I feel for that. You know, it's a real, it's a real thing that happened, you know, and it affected people. And, um, yeah, but all I can do is try and find the best way forwards. Mm. You know, hindsight is a beautiful thing. Yeah, but come on, this isn't your fault. It's not about hindsight. I mean, you you can't have regrets. You can't help falling in love. And equally, you can't... I mean, actually, do you know what? I'm going to counter that because I do think you make a series of decisions before falling in love, I think. But ultimately, you were who you were. And that then led you to a situation where you fell in love. And then, you know, that carried you for a while. And, and in a way, that's that's beautiful because... Love was enough. But you can't deny who you are and who you're born as. Yeah, I mean, well, exactly. I mean, you sum it up perfectly there because you can't deny that. You can you can deny that for as, as long as you can deny it. And, I, you know, I've had people contact me um, through my YouTube channel or, or Facebook or, or, you know, because I've, I've vlogged about my whole transition on YouTube and... Um, that is something that I am very proud of, that I, I've been able to help a lot of people in their own journey through that process, through sharing my own my own journey. But I've had a lot of people contact me who've been in similar situations like that, and they're like, what should I do? Mm. I'm like, oh, it's it's just, I don't know. Everybody everybody reaches transition in their own, their own time, their own period of their life when it's right for them. I had a very good counsellor, who who helped me a lot and you know he used to say it's like a it's like a crossroads and if you take the, the path not to transition it just goes in a big circle ultimately you'll always keep coming back to the same position in your life and I remember when I was seeing him for counseling and I tried to work through a lot of stuff and and I went away and I tried to sort myself out and I reasoned that, you know, I should just stay with everything as it was and that it was, you know, I could do this. And when I finally went back to him and I was in bits, you know, I was, I was suicidal and I said, you know, I realise I have to transition. I have, I have, there's no other way. There's no other way forwards. And he said, do you know, I knew one day you'd come back and you tell me this. But I could never tell you that. You had to find your own place. You had to find your own way to, to this moment. Mm. And it's, yeah, it was a pretty profound moment that's always stuck with me. Mm. Because there's no, there's no, there's no field manual for transition. There's just, mm. uh, life can be tough. Life throws all kinds of amazing, incredible, wonderful, difficult, challenging things at us. And we're all just trying to navigate our way through it mm. and trying to do our best. And, um, yeah, that's that's the way it is. Did, did you, <clears throat> you say you were suicidal, did you, did you genuinely consider that taking your life was a better out than having to confront what was in front of you at the time? Yeah, I did. I did, because I was in so much pain and I knew that whatever... You know, I knew that whatever path I took was going to cause pain. Pain to me, pain for other people. 
and I just I couldn't see a way out I couldn't see that whatever decision I made was going to be the wrong one Mm. and living with that became so difficult to deal with that it really did seem like the only way out for me Mm. and thank god I didn't Mm. and you know and I remember thinking I owe this to my parents because neither of them are sadly alive any anymore Mm. and I thought you know they wouldn't want this for me so is that what stopped you I think so I thought you know they wouldn't want me to carry on they would want me to carry on they wouldn't want me to do this Mm. and and I owe it to them because there is a way through this Mm. scary and and uncertain as it is the only way through it is to transition Mm. and what kind of support you had did you did you have through that process you you obviously lost your mum very young and you lost your dad as well you you have a brother that you're close to I have two brothers two brothers yeah two two amazing elder brothers so they're about I don't know about seven or eight years older than me so um I'm the the baby of the family so yeah they they were pretty they're pretty cool about things um we were working together still at the time when when I was when I said to them I needed to transition. So that was... Um, Do you think they knew already? I think they... I think they... I mean, the thing is, you know, I came out to my mum that time when I was 10, and I I'm, I know my mum told them, but I don't know if they kind of fully remember or, mm. or whatever, but um, maybe they just kind of... Maybe it kind of just got lost in, mm. in the ether a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they... I mean, they've been amazing. It's, you know, it's a challenge for anyone, I think, with family... Mm working through something like transition because it's not it's not like just you transitioning on your own the other people around you have to transition as well and and I was very conscious I mean because we were spending five days a week together in an office I was very conscious of of them of it working for everyone so in some ways I wanted to go like I'm transitioning I've been waiting all my life to do this and now it's happening and I want to just do everything very quickly. But at the same time, I thought, you know, if this is going to work for me, I need to have everybody on board. I need yeah. to have everybody's support. Yeah. So I want to do things in a way and at a pace that that, that is mindful of that fact. So I, I took a lot of time to, to kind of... I mean, I, I was something like six months between me actually telling everybody I was going to transition and starting to live full time. Right. Which was kind of crazy. So, so what does that actually mean? So when you say so live full time, what does it mean? So it's a it's a it's a terminology that's kind of stems from the sort of NHS's like guidelines on when you sort of say, right, okay, I'm gonna change my name, I'm gonna change all my legal documentation, um, and I'm gonna live, you know, from this day forwards as my gender that I identify as so it's a kind of like you know it's a it's a very not to say it's the point of no return but it's 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 that point where you yeah. take that huge step into yeah. the unknown really and and because it was so long between me doing that um it kind of diffused a lot of things because I told people and people were like you know immediately like oh my god I can't believe I've have you heard Charlie Martin's you know yeah 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 and but after a while all the kind of all of that kind of died down. Mm. Nothing really happened. Mm. People were like, well, are you are you doing this? Because like you kind of, I heard that you're doing. They're yeah, thinking, it's not working. <laughs> you don't. You look the same. The same. <laughs> and like you know, I didn't change my name because I, I kept my name the same. 
And it's like it's quite handy with the name Charlie. It's kind of handy. I've got my parents to thank for that. Yeah, <laughs> good bit of foresight. On yeah. That one. So, um, you know, and it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start on the. I think it was the twenty twenty eighth of June. I think two thousand twelve. And, um, but it, it kind of meant actually people had kind of almost lost interest to a degree. Which is quite good because then you kind yeah. of bit, go back under the radar a bit, don't you? You just get on with it on your own terms. I, exactly. And that's what I needed. And it, and it kind of meant that, you know, by that point, everybody was like, everybody knew. There mm. were no, mm. you know, it took a bit of the... Which in itself must be hugely liberating because I think part of the exhausting mm. part of, of living a lie in a way is that nobody knows and you can't vent, you can't escape it. I mean, yeah. that must in itself be crushing. Yeah, and it is. And you know, when you're finding a position that you can tell people, and you're like, and I, you know, I remember when I first started telling people, and and you know, the first few of my friends that I told, and uh, you know, I'd, I'd be like, oh, can we meet up for you know somewhere and whatever, meet for a drink, and I'd be like, I'd have this whole dialogue rehearsed in my head, and I'd yeah. be like, oh, you know, I've really had this terrible thing, and it's been really hard, and. You know, and by the end of like telling them, they'd be like, "Yeah, well, what? Is, what?" Yeah. <laughs> be like, well, you know, I'm trans, and I just need to trans. And they, oh, well, okay, right, well, that's all right. And you know, and the event, and after about the sort of fifth person, I'd just be like, "Yeah, well, basically, I'm trans, and I need to trans." <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> people were like, okay, but yeah, it, it was. It it kind of explains, I guess, somehow the kind of workings inside my mind yeah. that I've been living with this thing my whole life, and I built it into this you know, this terrible thing that, that people just weren't ready for and people wouldn't accept mm-hmm. and people, would, people wouldn't want to be my friend anymore or want to know me. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it just wasn't the case. It was like, people were like, okay, you know, people were surprised, people were a bit shocked, but you're still the same person. Mm-hmm. And, and just, yeah. just, I know this sounds sort of way too simplistic, but just explain to people how it's different to sexual orientation, how it's different to coming out as gay. Because, because presumably, I mean, I don't know, are you, are you straight or gay? How, how do you identify in that respect? Um, I mean, I, I identify as pansexual, which is kind of um, to say that I, I, my attraction to people isn't really based on their gender, ex, gender identity as such. I just... I. I you like find, someone for who they are. I like someone for who they it's are. Pretty simple. Yeah, basically. It's nice. Yeah, I, I, and that's that's pansexual in a, in a nutshell, really. Mm. And um, I, because you, yeah, I mean, so your physical sex, your gender identity, and your um, who you're attracted to, yeah. are, are, you know, are three three separate things. Mm. And again, for for a lot of people, the majority of people, they're they're probably all in alignment. But for a lot of people, who you know, I know a lot of trans people who uh, who identifies pan. Mm. Uh, I think because have a, a very different insight into what it is to be male or female and what gender actually is to the majority of society, mm. and don't tend to see things in the same way mm. and um you can be you know just because you're attracted to somebody um that doesn't really define mm. your gender identity it doesn't define you know all these things are very can be very fluid um yeah i, mm. I, I mean to me it just seems so straightforward 
because I guess I've always thought like that mm. really um it took me a long time to understand myself mm. and to well, a degree I'm still trying to figure myself out well aren't we all don't worry about that <laughs> but it's, it's interesting isn't it because if you've always felt like that but that, that is at odds with how everybody else around you feels that's where the sort of juxtaposition occurs isn't it it's why that's where the sort of um angst if you like yeah starts breeding from which well, sure and you know I remember when I was quite early into my transition and some people I knew who were kind of more like friends of friends you know you'd be at a party and someone's like feeling a bit a bit kind of bold and comes yeah. up and like oh, are you Charlie and you're like yes yes like, I know what's coming yeah they're like yeah. so so do you so now you transition do you fancy boys now or girls yeah. you know has that changed I'm just like well, for one, like, who are you? Yeah. Two, like, why is this any of your business? Yeah. But at the end of the day, why is it? Why do you need to know? Yeah. Why is, why is that matter? Are, I think people are intrigued because they want to know if that changes as well. Yeah. Yeah. Or whether it was, you know, consistent. But as you say, it, I think it's a kind of, you know, yeah. it's such a deeply personal thing anyway. Like, as in the way you feel, you know... You, Everybody, everybody's different and yeah. everybody's beautifully unique in that respect, you know. Yeah, and I, and I would never dream of walking up to somebody in a party and going, oh, are you Steve? Yeah. yeah. Hi, Steve. Do you fancy men or women? Yeah. Or both? Yeah. You'd be like, what? Who are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Just Hi, <laughs> my name's Charlie. Nice to meet you. Yeah, exactly. But I know so many trans people who just regularly have those kinds of experiences. Yeah, but but she, like, yeah. I think part of that isn't, I, I think part of it's not necessarily like, I, I, you know, it's maybe a... I don't know, it's not meant as an, an intentional malice. No, it's no, curiosity that, exactly. that comes across in a kind of unfiltered way. Yes. Which And do you know what, in a way, as hard as it may be in that moment, you should forgive them because that is part of the education process. Like, yeah. I think until people kind of, people will be grappling with those questions and until they get answers and work it out in their mind, we're never going to open mm. people's minds and hearts to the idea of a much more inclusive society. You always have to let them ask those silly questions. Yeah, and I think... I mean, I asked it. No, but I mean... I'm no, sorry about that. In a nice way. <laughs> but I think, you know, and I, and I do I do feel like that. You know, I, I accept we are where we are as a society. We're at a point where there's still, you know... I, if I have to answer some, unquestion, mm. some uncomfortable questions at times in my life, then I'm just thinking, you know, this is this isn't... A chance to try and educate people yeah, and that's and how we make progress so that's I'm just not, what I'm I was about to up. say I mean so, it's you know awkward yeah. questions lead to conversation leads to progress and that's got to be great and what a legacy for you to to have initiated be a trailblazer in that respect I mean I have quite thick skin and I've developed confidence through going through transition mm. that I never I never had before. Mm. I don't feel like the same person that I used to be. I, I mean, seriously, I, there's things that I do that I go into now, situations that I would, I would never have dreamt of, of walking into things like that now. You know, public speaking, which I now do a lot of, mm. going into companies and talking about my experiences and, and sharing that in a way that people can learn and understand. I, I, I would never, never have been able to do things like that. Mm. But I, I feel... Yeah, if I'm able to do that and I have the confidence and I have the platform, then I want to do that because it's there's only good that can come from Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Know? I, I, I read a quote from you that said, my transition made me a braver on the track, more confident in taking risks. Um, explain how that worked. Because 
that's really interesting if you if you feel like you've become a better racer for it and do you know i have if i look back in the six years prior to transition and the six years since it tra- i've got a cabinet well not a cabinet a couple of all my trophies at home on a shelf what i won before that it's like i don't know six or seven trophies and everything i've won that's since then it's like i don't know it's it's night and day it's it's like the physical proof of that and i yeah. think because transition was the scariest thing i could ever imagine doing in my life and the fear of failing and messing it up and my life just falling through a hole in front of me in the ground was a very real prospect it was a leap of faith and to do it and it go not only okay but to go really well and to feel like wow i am the person i've always wanted to be i'm happy and I have something that no one can ever take away from me. You know, whatever happens in my life now, I know I wake up in the morning and I see the person I am staring back in the mirror. To know that, it just made me more... It made me more of a risk taker. Mm. Because I'm like, well, I've, I've climbed the biggest mountain I could ever imagine in my life. And everything feels possible now. Anything feels possible. And so in terms of racing not only being able to focus and think clearly because I'm not dealing with all the stuff in the back of my head, but also just pushing myself on track, you know, especially racing in hill climb where, you know, when I went off to race in France, racing a Formula Renault on French B roads on a course that's like six kilometers long that you have to know by, by heart, every corner, every braking zone, every bump and driving that at like, I don't know, getting up to like 140 miles an hour with trees and rocks and buildings and stuff you've got to be brave <laughs> that is my son coming back from nursery please let me pause this for a moment <laughs> so um one thing that i wanted to pick up on with you is that actually you have less testosterone in your body now but you are a better racer since the transition, which plays into my theory that actually women make better races than men. Okay, okay I'm only joking. <laughs> Obviously not, but I'm, I'm going, I'm picking up on something that Jensen Button said, which was, there is nothing physically that precludes a woman from racing against a man. Mm. And this is something I'm quite passionate about, that mm. you are a very interesting case study. Mm. Because do you think like a man when you race, or do you think like a woman? Goodness knows. I just think like a driver. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't have any testosterone in my body. You know, I haven't for six years or something now. Um, and yet you're and a better I, racer for it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, my results speak for themselves, mm. you know. When you look at what I did when I went off to do the French Hill Climb Championship, I mean, regular podiums, it just, it was a time in my life when I just suddenly started... I don't know, it was like someone flicked a switch in my head mm. and I just started driving and, and, and getting results. And yeah, I mean, it's a really, it is a really interesting thing to think about because uh, I, I don't know. I try to think back to how I used to think, mm. if, if that's possible. Yeah, yeah. And in the context of when I was driving a car and when I was racing and what was happening and and how I would operate. I mean, especially now racing in endurance where you're driving for an hour at a time easily. Mm. Um, you know, your brain 
controlling your thoughts and your mental state during that period is really important mm. to how you how you perform and drive mm. the car mm. um it's i guess i feel like i have less distractions i'm able clarity to is something that you touched on clarity. earlier just that clarity yeah. of mind that you didn't have the the noise going on back here challenging yeah. you i think that's i think that's a really important thing because i was really carrying around something that in the back of my mind, I was like, you know, don't think about this. Mm. Don't think, whatever you do, don't think about this because it'll just stress you out or make mm. you feel sad or upset or whatever. And that was, that was a thing, you know, my brain was actively doing that mm. day in, day out. Mm. Even if I wasn't aware of it, it was like a computer program running in the back, in the background. Mm. And when I stopped doing that, I remember actually, it was really profound, the, the, the feeling of clarity and calm that I had when I started taking estrogen and I was, I mean, I was on testosterone blockers. So basically remove testosterone, replace it with estrogen. Mm. And the effect that had on my, um, just my mental state. Mm. And I know, I know so many people who've said the same thing. I just, I just felt like I could breathe. Like I could just slow down and take stock and think about things clearly and you know i mean i've made videos about it on my youtube channel i'm sure um about how yeah you know how it feels not having testosterone in your body it's 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 a funny thing and Mm. and just the kind of calm that's kind of come from Mm. from from feeling like okay i mean i'm really into meditation these Mm. days i got into that about a year ago it's generally something i do every day and i think as well that's really another way that another thing that helps me kind of um relax and connect with with my inner self and Mm. my thoughts my feelings and Mm. just just have that kind of sense of clarity Mm. you know my life i'm sure you have a very hectic schedule yourself and when you're rushing around trying to do a million things it can be difficult to um Mm. to to find that kind of stillness you know, when you just want to grab a moment. And I find meditation really helps me with that. Mm, it kind of sets definitely. me up for the day. And I can, yeah. It feels in a way like that you've released your talent because your talent was sort of down there wrestling with everything else that was going on. And you've kind of almost set it free. I know that sounds a bit, you know, hippie-ish, but I, I, I like this idea that just finally having clarity of mind has given you the opportunity to shine in a way that you weren't before because there was too much else going on. Yeah, and and I honestly think that for me, transitioning was the key to unlocking my performance as a, as a driver, as an mm, athlete, yeah. and it it really has made all the world a difference to me. It's yeah. um, and you know the thing that I want most now is for other people to have that in their life. Yeah. I want, I you know, I don't want other people to grow up feeling scared or alone or mm. ashamed or you know unable to limiting what they feel they can achieve in their life just because of how they were born Mm. you know i want everybody to have what i've had that experience because Mm. everybody deserves that and that's why i'm so passionate Mm. about being visible because really by me being visible that by people hearing my story and understanding my story and listening to this podcast you know this is probably one of the first times i've really talked about a lot of the things we've talked about today and when people have that understanding it just creates a more 
a more accepting environment where everybody feels free to be themselves mm. and people don't feel those barriers. Mm. People don't feel, you know, limited. People feel able to, oh, do you know what, actually, whether that's someone thinking, well, you know, this is where I work, this is where I compete in my sports team, this is the team that I support, whatever that environment. It's about people feeling feeling able to, to take control and feeling that the support is there and seeing that the support is there. And I think that's why it's so important to be visible, to share, to share that. Because it's such a distraction, if nothing else, having to fight over here, a, a sort of silent fight, an anonymous sort of behind-the-scenes fight, and you're not able to channel your energy into life and succeeding and progressing in a different way so you know being set free in that respect is 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 fantastic and um hopefully others will will follow suit in that respect just taking it back to the physical um and this idea because again someone else on the team who will remain nameless believes that it's testosterone that you need to be ruthless to make those sort of gutsy moves if you like on the racetrack and a woman is just too cautious in that respect um I obviously want you to counter that with a strong argument because I always do in the uh, production office. But sometimes I, I'm not alone in my views, but I just don't believe that that all overtakes need to be gutsy and testosterone fueled. They can be uh, manufactured from a very different standpoint, i.e., you know, taking back, taking stock and guile and smart clever overtaking is actually often much more effective well yeah i mean i'd argue that certainly in endurance racing where you know you don't win the race in the first 10 minutes you've got to you've got to be consistent and you've got to stay out of trouble and yeah you've got to be fast but you you it's not a it's not a it's not a case of going guns blazing in the first corner necessarily Mm. because um in a, in a race that's going to last hours and hours, that's that's not necessarily going to get you yeah. to the finish line. I mean, I think, yeah, I agree with what you said. I think clarity and vision and, you know, and looking at things clearly can be, uh, can be just as effective in terms of spotting an overtaking opportunity, looking, reading a situation, reading the cars around you, mm. Uh, all those kinds of things Uh, I can see why someone might say that but I mean I I don't I don't feel that's really necessarily the the be all and end all in making a good racing driver I mean Mm. there are plenty plenty of female drivers out there doing very well Mm. in various disciplines Mm. who who are showing that you know women can women can cut it with the guys oh yeah absolutely uh W series would you consider going for it um i i mean i think it'd be great just i'm just gonna i'm just gonna put it out there i think it would be great wouldn't it i mean i i to be honest i wouldn't i would never turn down an opportunity to drive in something like like w series i think i'm 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 at a point in my career where i'll be honest you know it's it's really it's been difficult for me uh this season you know coming into the biggest race we've got le mans where um, I'm in a position where I'm, I'm struggling for funding and I think that's a position that a lot of drivers have in their career mm-hmm. I think something like W Series that gives gives drivers an opportunity I mean a paid drive in an F3 car is a wonderful opportunity mm-hmm. for any driver and um, yeah I mean 
I guess I've been very focused on endurance because that's the, for me, the, the goal has always been to, to compete at the 24 hours of Le Mans. Um, but I mean, if I was had an opportunity to, to do something like that, then yeah, Excellent. it would be very exciting. 2020, your name's going to be up there. I'm sure of it. Um, okay. And just, let's just finish up by, by looking forward, embracing this, uh, this incredible Le Mans adventure that, that awaits. Um, what can people do to support you? How can people get in touch? How can people sponsor? So, I mean, really the best thing to do is just Google my name or Google Go Charlie. Um, right now I've got a crowdfunder out, um, which is uh, to try and get me to Le Mans, but um, that's on Just Giving. But fundamentally, just just check out my social media, Go Charlie M. Um, I've got quite a lot of stuff out there on social media, been on there been on the tv quite a lot i suppose the last six months so um i to be honest i feel like you know i'm I'm really trying to do something different in motorsport and i'm trying to make a difference and um i think there's a great opportunity there for partners to to come on board really to Mm. do something a bit different and a bit brave and um something that can create a really positive change in the world and uh for fans yeah i mean i've I've got some fantastic followers out there and uh it's been amazing you know all the time when you're whether you're having a good weekend or you're having a a bit of a not so good weekend it's really the people that follow you and support Mm -hmm. you on social media that that can lift your spirits and so it's uh, it's great to have such so much support out there right now and it's pretty apt that that's what's giving you the support that you need because ultimately it was social media it was youtube that's got you to this point so that you know that's a massive tick in the box for for where we've come from and to, to where we're going that that it's been the openness of media and social media that's helped you get to this point in the first place isn't it i mean it's it's great you're able to talk directly to people that can help you and who who you can help Oh, excuse me, Mike. <clears throat> That's probably the alarm to say go and pick the kids up from nursery, which is a bit late. <laughs> um, so, um, Charlie, listen, it's it's just been so lovely to have your company. And as I tweeted the other day, for me, sport and motorsport specifically should and has to be inclusive. It has to be a meritocracy, which is something that you've always argued that, you know, if you're fast enough you'll get there but it has to be you know people opening their arms to it and I think you embody that for me so thank you so much for your time I think you're brave and beautiful and brilliant and keep up the hard work thank you so much for having me on it's been uh, it's been a real pleasure to chat thanks mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.